Hello, welcome to the Market Weekly Podcast. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist. This week, I'm joined by Chikai Chen, Head of Asian Equities. And uh, it is December, so it's the time of year we'd start thinking about what might happen in the year ahead uh, after what I think it's safe to say has been a challenging period for emerging market equities in general, I'd say perhaps Asian equities in particular. So we want to think of what hopefully may change for the better next year. And Sikai, I'm sure, will be able to help us out with that. Let's get in right then to the Asian outlook for 2022. Sikai, do you see Asian and emerging market equities globally well positioned for a rebound in 2022 after the market underperformance that we had uh, over this last year? And what about the risk that the latest variant, Omicron, of the coronavirus presents for the markets? Thank you, Daniel. Uh, Thanks for having me. I think, uh, as you pointed out, this has been a challenging year from Asian equities. Uh, Particularly, North Asian equities has been difficult for a lot of investors this year. Um, Having said that, I think there's reasons to be cautiously optimistic for 2022. And the rationale here is that we have several things that's going well for us at this particular point in time. I think in terms of a recovery basis, most of the Asian economies as well as global emerging market economies are coming from a low base effect going into next year. As you uh, might have recalled, a lot of the Asian economies in particular were hindered uh, in various degrees this year by the resurgence of the Delta variant that really took off in the summer of this year. And this really impacted a lot of economic activities as a lot of Asian economies enter into more sustained lockdown. This is a reversal of what happened in 2020, where Asian economies, generally speaking, handled the COVID-19 pandemic a little bit better than say developed economies. So that's low base effect that's going to help uh, give us some tailwind. In addition to that, I think when you look at the balance sheet health of the key developed market consumers, they're in very root health thanks to the enormous monetary and fiscal subsidies that's been taking place in developed economies in 2021. So there's been shifting of wealth and debt away from the households and corporate onto the government's balance sheet. So this bodes well in terms of demand. Um, for a lot of emerging markets and for Asia as well. The last point I'll make there is on the Omicron variant, obviously very, very early days. So um, I, I'm speaking with uh, some hopefulness there. But I think one key variable that is quite different this time around uh, with Omicron variant versus the Delta variant that we experienced in September of this year is the fact that uh, a lot of the economies now have access to vaccination. If you look at the vaccination rate in the Asian economies in particular, after a slow start, we are now seeing several economies, uh, for example, Singapore, Malaysia, amongst those economies that have vaccinated the vast majority of their adult population or eligible population. So with this vaccination support, we are hopeful that the new variant shouldn't cause too much of economic disruption to the extent that we need to encounter into shutdowns in some of these economies uh, in 2022. So in summary, um, cautiously optimistic. I think the low base effect as well as sustained demand from developed markets will be helpful for Asian and GEMS equities in 2022. 
I imagine, like most of us, it's concerns about the Fed, the outlook for interest rate uh, that worry us the most. We've also seen, frankly, sticky upstream inflation in Asia and again in global emerging markets. What about the view that Asia is immune to what might happen with U.S. interest rates? Uh, interesting question. I think this is probably in a way um, the question about decoupling to a certain extent, um, but I don't think so. I think in Asian economies, um, we are fortunate in the sense that the fiscal and monetary balance sheets of the most Asian economies are usually quite healthy. As a result, they are more resilient to um, Fed interest rate cycles compared to the rest of emerging markets, particularly in Latam in particular and uh, in the uh, in EMEA uh, regions. Uh, having said that, I think it does depend on the form and structure of the Fed rate increases that's potentially coming in 2023 or perhaps early in 2022, as indicated by some of the more hawkish statement that the Fed Reserve Chair has uh, stated recently. I think in Asia, the two economies is probably more vulnerable, if you will, to uh, rates increases, Indonesia and India, given the size of their financing requirements that are funded in hard currency like uh, dollars and euro. So global rates do have an impact on them, and this usually is translated into the currency impact for these two economies in particular. So if we get a situation in 2022, where we do see a potentially a acceleration of the first rate hike, potentially in the second half of 2022, but accompanied by continued robust economic growth in the US, say around three, four percent, then I think this is well tolerated in Asian economies because generally speaking, if the rate hikes are because uh, economic growth is um, robust and they need to uh, temper down animal spirits, I think the markets will be, uh, be able to adopt to that quite easily. The second scenario where potentially if uh, real growth uh, in the US falls to say 1% or 2%, but we continue to see fairly sticky uh, inflation headline numbers of around 4 to 5%, and we see the rate hike in the second half of the year, that might be more problematic because that would be widely interpreted as um, the Federal Reserve being perhaps behind the curve and and needing to basically get ahead of the curve for inflation measures. And that would be quite negative for Asian and global emerging markets equities in general. Let's focus a little bit more on the tech sector. Again, we're aware it's been a challenging year, at least in parts of Asia, but that said, we're also aware that there is a sizable upcoming IPO pipeline, at least in some Asian countries, uh, and potentially deep valuation discounts uh, in parts of the technology sector in China. So with that mix, do you see any opportunities in tech going forward? Certainly. I think this has been a fairly challenging year, particularly for uh, Chinese software technology companies with uh, very substantial valuation discounts that's been taking place over the course of the year, especially among some of the leaders. The silver lining of all of this is that Apart from the Chinese uh, internet giants, we're also seeing the emergence of other players in other parts of Asia that is uh, independent of the Chinese emergence. And a lot of times what we observe is that these are evolved business models that were previously um, predicated or modeled after the, some of the Chinese internet giants. 
and we are seeing them uh, occurring in both Indonesia, Singapore, as well as India. And these upcoming IPO pipelines are indeed very interesting. They are the continuing evolution of what we are seeing in terms of e-commerce um, deepening and developing further in the, a lot of these Asian economies and affording investors some opportunities to tap into potentially the same type of structural growth that we saw in the Chinese e-commerce space that's being replicated in other parts of Asia right now. So we're definitely taking a look at some of these uh, IPO pipelines uh, in uh, the Asian economies. Um, the only caveat I'll put there is that valuation obviously is typically not cheap. So we are quite careful in terms of um, balancing the growth that we see in this sector, as well as the valuation that's being demanded by some of the players that's coming to market in Asia. The second point about the Chinese internet e-commerce company is that the valuation discount is indeed quite steep, but this is counterbalanced by the fact that the regulatory action or the regulatory change that we've seen this year, while we believe the peak of the measures has passed, we do not believe that all of the measures is currently being is completed. We're probably a couple of quarters away from that, and some of the data points that we're looking for from the companies when we listen to their uh, uh, quarterly results, as well as uh, when we speak to management, is whether they see any visibility as to when they see a stabilization in terms of the regulation of the activities and what can, they can do, what they cannot do. And that will probably give us a much better view in terms of fundamentally, where do we expect the revenue growth and the earnings potential for these companies to settle at? At this particular point in time, it's a very fine balance, as you can see over the last week, in terms of volatility in these markets. But we do believe that this is still a structural area that's going to benefit from continued penetration of e-commerce into everyday's life in China. And we are still exposed to uh, some of these names right now. And we are looking to see if we have the opportunity to basically take our exposure up more as we have regulatory clarity and the earnings and revenue of these companies stabilizes. You started out by saying you were cautiously optimistic. And as a portfolio manager, I would imagine that's always a good attitude to have. That highlights, however, the risks that are out there, hence the caution, I suppose. Uh, inevitably, what can go wrong in this space? And what are the risks that you see and how manageable are they? Sure. I think the biggest known risk, shall we say, is the on the interest rate front. At this particular point in time, I think if the Federal Reserve do lose control of the narrative on the inflation front, and we continue to see very sticky upstream inflation that persists into the next few quarters, then the external risk that is posed to some of these economies become more visible and potentially more challenging for us to manage. That's a big risk, but I think that's something that emerging markets as well as Asian economies tend to uh, experience and have experienced in the past. So that's something we have to live with. The second risk I would say is probably more on the fiscal and monetary accommodation, and which is somewhat dependent on the first question, if you will, on the monetary side, that these economies, policymakers, you need to support their economies in 2022. As you, as you can imagine, a lot of the Asian economies, while the fiscal and monetary balance sheets tend to be on a sounder footing, they are not reserve currencies. So 
for them to continue the type of extraordinary fiscal and monetary stimulus that they've put in place in 2020 and 2021 is probably not likely. So we need to see how they balance this withdrawal of fiscal stimulus and how the economies are going to react to those withdrawal of this fiscal stimulus um, over the course of 2022. Thanks very much, Sikai. To summarize what you've shared with us, again, probably the key phrase we want to take away is cautious optimism, but some reasons for that optimism, I guess, as well as for the caution. Uh, on the optimistic front, uh, certainly Delta has been a drag on uh, the region this year, but that sets up the area for a rebound next year with, of course, all our fingers crossed that Omicron doesn't deteriorate or, or worsen the situation any further. And also important to keep in mind, and in contrast to what happened with the Delta variant, uh, we do have higher vaccination rates generally across the region, which clearly should be helpful. Another reason to have a positive view is that, broadly speaking, balance sheets are in good shape. And that's also important when we think about the impact of rising rates in the U.S., uh, that generally companies should be resistant uh, to that higher rate pressure. Nonetheless, on the risk front, uh, it certainly does depend what the Fed does, how quickly they do it, and whether or not the market perceives it as just a reaction uh, to what is a good growth outlook, or the market sees the Fed as having gotten behind the curve on inflation and then anticipating perhaps much tighter monetary policy ahead. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you, Kai, for sharing your insights with us. Thank you very much, Daniel, for having me. Always a pleasure. If you'd like more information, please reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact and check out our Investors Corner blog. For listeners who have devices with Alexa, you can ask Alexa to enable Investment Insights or search for Investment Insights on Amazon under the category Alexa Skills. Just to update you, we will be on holiday and hopefully you too through the rest of the year. Please join us in January for our new Talking Heads podcast series. Until then, we hope you stay safe and take care. This podcast presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BMP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.